0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and reading for our text verse 45. Verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defined. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45. Here we have a picture of a meeting. Two men meeting together. And they're each coming to that meeting in a very different way. How often that would be replicated in many things in our lives. Whether it be in our secular employment, whether it be in our studies, whether it be in the Church of God. How often we meet together We may be mindful of how the other person is meeting us, what we are going to be faced with. And it would be a good thing if we are mindful as well how we are attending that meeting, how we are coming, and that we are not tempted to actually think, well, just because one is coming to the meeting in this manner, that we have to come to that meeting in the same manner. We don't. And here we have the situation where one is not one of the Lord's people, a defier of the people of God, and one is one of the Lord's people, and we see how differently they come to this meeting. May it always be so. That as the Lord's people, whenever we meet with the world, whenever we meet with those who fear not God, we still come, as dear David did, in the name of the Lord our God. Well, we took up with the account here, when David was first uh, brought before uh, Saul and he says that he will go against the Philistine. Beforehand we have the whole setting, the picture of what is happening. We have the valley of Elah, we have mountain each side, one side we have Israel, the other side we have the Philistines. And we have this giant, nine and a half feet tall, I think perhaps as tall as this pulpit and must have been very imposing sight not on his own he's got the armour bearer with him as well and he comes before Israel and he sets the terms of this battle he lays it out that it doesn't need that all of the armies fight together let there just be one found And if the one that is chosen from Israel can defeat Ham, Goliath, the giant, then then the Philistines would be Israel's servants. But if Goliath was to prevail against the Israelite, then the Israelites would be the Philistines' servants. And that was the terms and for a whole 40 days. This man came out into the midst between these armies and he defied the armies of Israel. He defied them. He said, Give me a man. But there was no man found at all in Israel. Not even Saul was game enough to go against this man. And we might think, Well, why? Why is it, why should it be prolonged so long that there was this defying Israel and challenging them and no help found? Forty in the word of God is always set forth as a a test, an approving time. The rain was upon the earth 40 days, 40 nights. In Noah's day we have the Uh, children of Israel that were to be 40 years in the wilderness. And we're told in Deuteronomy it was to try them, to prove them, to know what was in their hearts, whether they would serve the Lord or no. We have the Ninevites that were told that in 40 days their city would be destroyed. And in that 40 days really was the only ray of hope in Jonah's message. You might say, where is a gospel message? Where is the ray of hope given to these Ninevites that should encourage them to repent? The hope was in the time that they were given. While there is life, there is hope. May we always remember that. While we're in the day of grace, and those Ninevites, they took that, and they were brought to repentance. God gave them repentance But that 40 days is a a testing time in that. So with our Lord, 40 days and 40 nights in the desert after he was baptised, tempted of the devil. Whereas our first parents fell when they had all the luxury and all the provision of Eden except the one forbidden fruit, our Lord had fasted those 40 days and then was tempted on the very same thing, command this stone that it might be made bread now the Lord stood that test, it was vital that he was to be seen, uh, though he was the second Adam he was not like the first Adam that fell, that could fall that he was spotless and sinless and Satan had no part in him and couldn't prevail against him at all when He, Satan even took the word of the Lord and suggested that or said to our Lord that he was to cast himself down from the pinnacle of the temple because it was written that God would give his angels charge over him. The Lord said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And he rebuffed him with the word of God. We have then many times in Scripture, you might say with our Lord, it was 40 days from when our Lord rose from the dead to when he ascended up again into heaven. Another 10 days later was the day of Pentecost. But it is a testing, a proving time that that which is to be done is really established. And you might say what was established here was that there was no one in Israel that could stand against Goliath. Now I believe that that was very vital, it was vital in this present time, this account that is before us here. God had a design, a purpose in view here. It wasn't long before this that Samuel had anointed David to be the next king over Israel. And this was one of God's ways of bringing David into the limelight thrusting him into uh, the presence of the king. Already he had played music before him, but it seems the king hadn't taken much notice of that, didn't know who he was. But uh, this now was going to result in all Israel singing songs, praising God and acknowledging the wonderful victory that he was to to make over the Philistines. And so God's design was to bring David out of obscurity, uh, away from feeding his flock, and to thrust him before all Israel and before Saul. Now when the Lord is in a matter, he will bring it to pass. He works not only on one front, but two fronts. He works with Samuel. He works here in Providence with Israel and we may say with his music as well David was brought into the palace to learn of the things how things went on in the court of the king the same as with Moses that had to learn what was went on in Pharaoh's court then in the desert so again we think of 40 40 years for Moses in Pharaoh's court learning uh, or, or, uh, how to govern a people and then 40 years in the wilderness, how to survive and how to carry on in the wilderness. And no doubt many lessons through the sheep as well. But we have the Lord working in in several things at once. And, and with, with Moses, the Lord appeared to him, gave him the uh, commission to go back to Israel and at the same time told Aaron to come and meet him. And these things were all happening at once, and we have it here. And so it was to be proved first. Even imagine if there was some other one found in Israel, there'd be no point in David coming. The whole thing would have fallen flat. And so it it was essential that it had to be proved there was none and they were ready then to have David go forth. We see as well that David's coming, to the camp was on his father's instructions. His father sent him. He obeyed. How many times we find this? How did Joseph start on his journey to Egypt? It was obeying his father. He must have been quite apprehensive of going to brothers that already hated him. But sometimes the smallest thing Well, it's not really a small thing, obedience to a parent just to do an errand uh, is the start of something very great. If we would be blessed in great things, we begin in small things. And you might say the commandment, Honour thy father and thy mother, both David and, and Joseph, began in this path in that way. And so David then is brought into the camp and he hears firsthand uh, the giant and he hears his turns and he hears those conditions and he sees the fright of the people running away. You Known as spiritual sands, David is a beautiful time in this account of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, David's greater son, that was to come, the terms there are that the people of God, they stand in him. It is what our Lord has single-handedly done and accomplished at Calvary that ensures the people of God their deliverance, their victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with these, all Israel was to see this victory. We think of when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, when they came to Jordan, there was to be a space between them and the ark. And the whole reason was that all Israel, instead of the ark being swallowed up with the people and you couldn't see for the throng, it was right out in front of them all, they could all see it, And we'll see it go into Jordan. Long way off for many of them, but when they came to go through Jordan, they'd go right next to it. And so many times in Scripture, we have when there is a type of our Lord, and our Lord himself, when he suffered, was made a spectacle. And I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto me. He was to be seen. He was to be seen by the people of God. And in the Church of God today, He is to be seen in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. This do in remembrance of me, as oft as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till He come. And the Lord is seen and presented as having uh, paid the debt, as have been uh, suffered and conquered and delivered His people. And we see that with David brought forth from obscurity, how they despised the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, that our Lord was brought forth, David was brought forth, and before them all, he was to conquer on behalf of his people. He was to deliver his people. And so this proving time had to prove another thing, and that was that there was no help other than David. And many times with the people of God, there must be taken away first that thought that, well, we are not so fallen, we can save ourselves, we're not so depraved, we we can exercise our own faith and we can, uh, of our own ability, save ourselves. And it must be brought through the work of the Lord that all the world is brought in guilty before God and that we cannot save ourselves. When Boaz was to redeem Ruth, then he said, there is one kinsman nearer than I. That man had to be eliminated first. Now, in some ways, I believe it is a type of ourselves, our own righteousness, our own selves. You know, he could redeem land, but as soon as it was a person, no, he couldn't. And no man can redeem his brother. The Scriptures are very clear on that, because we need redeeming ourselves, and our blood is not the blood of God. It is uh, that we must be redeemed ourselves. So if we shed our blood for another, we would perish, and so would he. Or she. And so with the Israelites here, what had to be dealt with so that no one could say afterwards, well, David, if you hadn't have killed the Goliath and the giant, someone else would have. Just you stepped in too quick. And uh, you didn't give others an opportunity to do so. No, it had to be proved that there was no other way. And that is to be seen, the Lord dealing with his people in that way to cut off every other hope and every other way so that they're able to uh, testify with the hymn right, if ever my poor soul be saved is Christ, must be the way to view that there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. David he comes and there is the preparation before he came and uh, before he comes to the giant when he comes to uh, Saul then we have his previous experience and he refers to this and how that he had uh, kept his father's sheep Saul has objections because he is so young he's own experienced in fighting but David has already had these experiences. And we, we, we must say this is, again, not something just by chance. If this is appointed to bring him before all Israel, the bear coming, the lion coming, his previous deliverances, the Lord delivering him, he's able to translate those. And you might say, well, David, do you really think you can equate this giant, with the bear or the lion? Can, can you really draw this parallel that the same God that has helped in one will help you in another? You might be in troubles trials tonight. You look back, you say, Lord, help me in that trial. And that was, uh, these were the details of it. But now I've got this trial that's before me and this is so different, uh, so much greater so many differences in it, how can I really equate that God has helped me before will help me in this one? Well, in this account we say, yes, you can. David did. The same God, his God, that helped him with the lion, with the bear, he would help him against this giant. And he did. What a lesson it is for us. Don't just brush away past experience, past hells. Don't just think, well, they're just small things. And you come into those greater things, you think back, the Lord gave that to me for a purpose. God caused me to have that trial, and it must have been a trial to have the bear and the lion coming, but he brought those to prepare me for this time. But I like can say, in my life has been many times when met with with trials, with difficulties, with things that make one's heart sink. It is a good thing to remember back and feel that oh, the Lord has prepared me for this. He has given me these trials. He's brought me through them. He's helped me in them. And He that has helped me hitherto will help me all my journey through. And it is good theology, it is a good thing to remember. We're not to forget the Lord's mercies, not to forget how He has put forth His hand, His mighty power on our behalf before. Him. The second thing before he goes out before Goliath is that Saul thinks that he will then provide him with some armour, some protection, and with a sword, some weapons of war. Those weapons that Saul would have used. In fact, it is said that it was actually Saul's armour that he gave him. But David, he puts these off him. And the reason that he gives he says, I cannot go with these, in verse 39, for I have not proved them, and David put them off him. He proved his God in the lion and the bear, but he hadn't proved these. There's something new. You know, there's many things in our lives, really, that we have practices before, we prove them, we... Make sure it does work. We don't just go straight in. But we actually make sure that we can use what we are are, are using and be helped by and be comfortable with it. And David, he realises this was not a time to take untested armour and to launch out in a way that was not consistent at all with what he'd been before. Now he was to go back to what he had proved. And that may be a lesson to us as well. Your trial, your extremity, those things before you, not a time now to try something new, a new method, a new way of deliverance, but to look back as to what the Lord has already given you and prepared you in. And so David here, he puts off this Armour that was not proved. And then he goes forth. He goes forth uh, against Goliath. He goes forth to this meeting. A meeting really unto death. A meeting in front of so many witnesses. Many times with the people of God. We think of the martyrs, we think of those maybe today brought before courts and cases have been brought before the Christian Institute has highlighted them where the Lord's people have been brought before courts or challenged by the land in what they've said or what they've done. And on one hand there's the world looking on, those that hate the Lord's people, those that would find occasion against them. On the other hand, there's all the Lord's people looking on and we can have this picture with this valley with David and Goliath and these two assemblies on each side, all looking on what the outcome will be. Really, God's people in this world, they are a spectacle. I often thought with the children of Israel when they were going through the wilderness and in the promised land that where the Lord dealt with them, where he chastened them, where he corrected them, it wasn't done in a corner. Other nations saw, and in fact, some of the prophets, they spoke of the other nations, spoke against them, because they were glad when God chastened his people. They left it up in pride against them. But the Lord said, no, you may have done that, but I will deal with you next. And God's people are walking, walking, in the midst of the world, many see what happens to them, see their trials, their tribulations, it's not done in a corner, and maybe remember that what's at stake is what was at stake here is the Lord's honour and glory. But even when the Lord is chastening his people, it will be for the Lord's honour and glory. We can be sure of that. I want to then look briefly At three points, thinking of this meeting where they're meeting together. David is very aware, he's very mindful of both sides of this meeting. So, I want to look first at how Goliath was coming to this meeting, and then, secondly, how David was coming to this same meeting, and then the victory that was obtained. So how is Goliath coming? David is very mindful of this. In our text, David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. He's not ignorant of how Goliath is coming. We may not be. When we think of Satan, when we think of the world, when we think of those that we're meeting with, in our lives, we may be very mindful of how they're coming, what is on their side, what armour they've got, what weapons they've got. David, he wasn't in ignorance of this at all. It wasn't taking him by surprise. Really, Goliath's weapons were weapons of war. Goliath made no bones about it he was out to destroy David and to kill him it was a fight unto death and the weapons that he had were weapons of war now we read in the scriptures that our weapons are not weapons that are carnal weapons but here with Goliath they could be seen and could be specified as David said The other thing that Goliath came, he came very much professing a strength and trust in himself, his height, his might, his experience. His trust was in himself, coming full of pride and self-assurance. Proud, proud man. And he came defying the God of Israel, defying the people of God openly, know how many times we might meet with those, it may be a very important meeting so many things hang upon it and we discern that those coming are full assurance, they fully know and they make no uh, secret of the matter, they think that they've got the matter completely in hand and we're destroyed and they're proud of it and they come also if they know our faith defying that and despising that, open adversaries against the people of God. I believe that more and more we should bear in mind this meeting because many, many times there will be such meetings between God's children and those that are not. They come in very, very different ways. And it's good for us to just think this person that we're meeting with, this adversary, are they speaking against my God? Are they defying Him? Are they walking in pride? Are they trusting in themselves? Are they trusting in their armour and specific things? And sometimes, and I believe it was with David, a real help to think, in all what this man has, he doesn't have God on his side. And so he specifies what Goliath had. And you may say what he didn't have. He didn't have God on his side. He didn't have faith. He didn't have right. Right. May we consider that too when we go to meetings with men. But then in the second place, how was David coming to this meeting? Now if he'd have taken Saul's armour and his sword, he might say he'd be coming in a very similar way. But he didn't. And he says that he comes in the name of the Lord of hosts. I think of Psalm 20, which begins The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble, the name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Then in verse 7 Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. This is a psalm of David. And I believe this is what he is walking out here. He is remembering the name of the Lord his God. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defined. What a blessed testimony and assurance that he had and testimony that he was coming in this name. The name of the God of heaven and of earth. Good thing for us to remember that as we're coming before men. The name of the Lord of whom we serve is the one that made heaven and earth. They may come in the name of other gods, but... We read that the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, they shall perish from under the heavens and the earth. I remember, though the world says no creation has just happened, it's not any work of God at all. When we come, whatever the meeting is, remember our God did make the heavens and the earth and that he is the only true and living God. The trial upon Mount Carmel with Elijah and the prophets of Baal was a trial where the, the God that answered by fire, uh, the, 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 either Baal or the true God, the God that answered by fire was the true God, the living God. Now Elijah mocked them later on that they should cry louder. Perhaps he was asleep or needed to be awakened or on a journey. And Baal was no God, it was just a figment of their imagination. David was very clear on this, that his God was the only true and living God. And it does good for us to remember that as well, and to testify of that. The Philistine, in the things that he was doing and defying, also was making, really, David to think of this. He is defying Israel. He is defying the God of Israel. And so that again, when David comes, in the name of the Lord of hosts, he adds this, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. It's good for us to remember that, especially where there are those who are defying the true and living God, our God, the spiritual Israel, God's chosen, redeemed, elected people loved with an everlasting love, that those that are speaking against him and walking in this way, they are against the God of Israel, the God of the people of God. But also he was the one, the God that was being defiled, defied, ridiculed. He was coming in that name. Sometimes it's a very sad thing that when there are those that meet, even church leaders, supposed, with the ungodly and the blasphemers. By what has been said by the other side, they become ashamed, ashamed of the word of God, ashamed of God himself, backtrack, undo, and speak contrary to the word of God. David was not like that. No, he said very clearly that Goliath had been defying the very God that he was coming in the name of. He was not ashamed of the Lord his God. Maybe we always remember that. Do not be ashamed of the Lord our God, nor his word, nor his people, however much the adversary that we are meeting, he is defying, he's ridiculing, he's speaking against that very God. But he was coming in the name of the God of salvation. Is a beautiful word in Uh, Psalm 68, of the description of our God. Verses 19 and 20. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues of, from death. And here is David, he's coming, and he's coming in the name of the God of salvation. Temporal victories were a wonderful thing, a thing to give much thanks for for us and for Israel here, but greater are those victories that were accomplished at Calvary and what our Lord and Savior did on behalf of his people. And so when David comes in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, then he was most certainly coming in the God of salvation, that of which he delighted to set forth and in the Psalms and pointing very clearly to those sufferings and death of our Lord on behalf of his people. There was many times in David's life that he saw those glimpses of what his greatest son would be, when Nathan spoke the word of the Lord to him. When he couldn't, wasn't to build the ark, build the temple of the Lord, but his son Solomon was, and Nathan, or God through Nathan, spoke very wonderfully of what that son would be like. But in such language it had to be not just of a temporal kingdom, not just of a mere man, but of the Lord. And so David, he sits before the Lord and he says that the Lord has spoken of his house for a great while to come. And he says, is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Is this this what Christ shall be like? Is this going to be his kingdom? Is this going to be his glory? When we think of our Lord, we're speaking of the Queen of Sheba coming to see Solomon. A greater than Solomon is here, he says. I believe David saw that greater than Solomon. And so here as well, I believe David saw this. He saw the way that the Lord would save and deliver his people And you might say, well, weren't the terms here even dictated by the adversary? Or when we think back to the Garden of Eden and how man was deceived by Satan, the the first word of blessing, the first promise of the Messiah came not by words spoken to man, to Adam and to Eve, but to be spoken to Satan. A man listened on. And he heard that beautiful promise, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so here David would have viewed, was not Goliath, but God set these terms and conditions. God used the adversary the same as it was when Balaam, went to curse Israel but Balaam couldn't curse Israel and he had to bless Israel in three separate places Father, Son and Holy Spirit seven altars, perfect was it dictated by Balaam by his rebellion or desire to curse Israel? no, it was God's blessing what about Calvary? was it just the work of wicked men? Peter says, Ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. Is our salvation dependent upon wicked men? He was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Yes, God uses means. He uses Goliath. He uses a sling. He uses a stone. He uses Goliath's own sword to kill him and uses wicked men to crucify our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. God has his servants everywhere. We know in Romans 8 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called, according to his purpose. So David here is able to draw in the words of our text a summary of how each one is coming to this meeting. Well, what is the outcome? That's the important thing, isn't it? It would be one thing to have all of this rhetoric, all of these things that have been said, but what is the outcome? How is it going to turn out? We should never take this for granted. You know, we think of the two on the way to Emmaus, they had seen our Lord suffer and bleed and die They had seen the Lord offer that great sacrifice at Calvary, but they couldn't understand what was done. We trusted it should have been he that should have redeemed Israel. Besides all this, this is the third day. How vital for the empty tomb. How vital for the victory over death. How vital that our Lord should not only die, but rise again from the dead. How vital it was here that David should prevail over the Philistine and that David should be given the victory. And that victory he was given. And David was very sure the faith that God had given him. We never overlooked this, that wonderful faith that God gave him. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give thee carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day, unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." A very clear statement of assurance and of faith given by God. And that which was honoured by God. As we sung, God sent the, uh, gave David the skill. He sent the stone and the stone did its work. And then David used the Philistines' own sword to slay him. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And smote him. What a victory was obtained, not just for David, but for all Israel. How it encouraged all Israel, those that were fleeing before, full of fear. Now they were running against the Philistines. Now their champion was dead. Then they had strength, then they had power. And what a difference that makes to have that authority! You think back to the account of Queen Esther, and when there was the sentence against the land, against the Jews, a certain day all would be destroyed. The authority was from the king on the side of all of those that would rise against the Jews. When the Lord appeared through Esther, Haman was killed. And then there was other letters sent forth. By the law they could not undo that day. That day was still there. The command was still there uh, that all the enemies of the people of God should rise against them. But there was given a counter command. There was given authority to the children of Israel to rise against any that rise against them. And that turned that day into joy and into rejoicing and made even their enemies become Jews or turned over to their side for fear of them. And what was the difference? They had the authority from the king. And under the gospel, in what the Lord has accomplished at Calvary, he now is able to say to his people, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold upon the eternal life. If the enemy, the enemy comes in like a flood, I will lift up a standard against him. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. And you say, how can I resist? I'm poor, I'm weak. But no, he's a slain enemy. And like with David, the Lord shall fight on our behalf. And we should remember that that authority that the Lord has given his people, that help that he has given, because he is conquered at Calvary, he has delivered his people, same as David here. And we may then rise against our adversaries, against our enemies, the enemies of our soul, those that rise up and fight, the devil even that goeth about roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour, or as an angel of light to deceive, even if it were possible, the very elect. But we are encouraged in what the Lord has done at Calvary, to resist him, to fight, to take upon us the whole armour of God, to not faint, but to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have here this meeting, this coming together of Goliath and of David, And I'll much instruction, much help for us. And I hope it will be not just in the way of salvation when we deal against Satan and those spiritual wickedness in high places, but in our daily lives when we meet with those who know not the Lord and who defy him. And may we be delivered from thinking well, they are coming to the meeting with all of these things, so we've, I've got to come the same way, and I've got to meet them the same way. No, you don't. You think of this account, and you come in prayer, you come in trust, and looking to the Lord, and relying upon Him, and trusting in Him, and remembering what He has done for you in the past, and how He has appeared, and He is through that way, the victory is assured. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.